Do you know what is the most commonly used word in the last three years? Face masks. And the weird part, Abhijit, about this is that everybody, whether it's a child, whether it's a, you know, the, the oldest in your family, the youngest, even a newborn, is very familiar with face masks. Now, it's fortunate or unfortunate because we knew face masks were used only by dentists or by nurses in an operation theater or uh, in a clean room environment. But the face mask has become an integral part of our wardrobe now. Correct. But that's not what interests me. What bugs me today is that iOS released an update saying, oh, we can now recognize you with your face mask. Which begs the question, earlier when they added face recognition to unlock your phone, was that flawed? And if it was not flawed, have they brought down the security levels of how to unlock a phone? And this is exactly the kind of discussions that is going to be warranted on this podcast. So if you ever want the real deal about things, this is the place to be. Now, I, I have a biased opinion, sometimes too biased. And to ensure that these uh, biases are kept in check, I often guest, get guests on to this podcast. And this time, I have uh, Abhijit Lahiri with me here, who's been a veteran of the industry for over 30 years. And uh, he's a very well-recognized voice, very well-accepted voice, and hopefully doesn't keep me in too much check. Otherwise, we're going to have a lot of fun, Abhijit. <laughs> uh, we're going to discuss a lot about whether technology is good, bad, and to be really brazen, is a technology today a pain in the butt? So stay tuned for what we have in store. Sure, sure. Happy to be here. When you talk about uh, you know unlocking a phone, it seems very trivial. But uh, face recognition today is all part of machine learning and artificial intelligence. And how often have you heard uh, uh, companies, startups, come to you and say, you know, we need AI and ML on our portfolio? Do you hear that often? Absolutely a must now. And uh, when we're looking at this, what's, what's the first thing that goes through your mind when a company says, oh, I need to have AI and ML on my, in, as part of my feature so that I can raise funds? My view is they are making it up. Totally agree with that. Do you know what I tell these startups? I tell them, oh, I don't use AI and ML. I use M-A-I-L. What is that? Mail. <laughs> correct, correct. And it's the, by far the best means of communication. It works. But you know what? Along with email, that's also technology. So is email good or bad? Today when you have, uh, say for example, your Gmail, and it auto-completes your sentence for you, does that scare you? Or does that make you feel proud that a machine has understood the way you think? Actually not. It, it, it enables productivity today. It helps me understand what I have perceivably forgotten in terms of the same context. But if it is misused, then obviously it can be, you know, your, your nature of communication can be typecasted and taken away. And misuse, it has already been misused. I mean, uh, I'm keeping it real, but all your data your email address, your phone number, uh, your address, 
and anything that you thought is confidential but has a digital presence in the world has probably already been tapped, churned, rechurned maybe 30 times by now already. But still, you will be asked periodically by Google, hey, is this your recovery phone? And is this your recovery email? Damn it, that's only to verify you're still there. And then they will send you targeted ads just to ensure that, hey, you know what? We're getting better ad revenue. This is all part of their machine learning algorithm. And uh, technology has evolved. I mean, from when you could have uh, self-driven cars where they talk about technology where we can monitor speed from cruise control to ABS to anti-skid to LiDAR image recognition of objects. Auto braking. Auto braking and you still come across one video of somebody posting on social media about hey Tesla couldn't recognize a horse carriage on the road and it kept switching between a car and a, a van. I have a very simple solution for uh, autonomous cars. What is that? Autonomous lane and you drive there. You have a hyperloop which is going independently which is going faster than speeds of a, of a plane today. So why do you really need autonomous cars? You need it because you need to be able to allow yourself the productivity which you do inside the cars when you're traveling long distance, especially in India. You have all these public cameras which are mounted on uh, uh, traffic signals or in various places. All these are connected typically to a, a mainstream hub which does all this processing. This has been abused. A recent case of uh, the, the riots in Hong Kong where Chinese government used face recognition techniques to catch people later on and imprison them. Is that good? I'm not aware. Time? I'm not aware, but I think facial recognition being used in the intelligence community is quite uh, a known fact. It, I, I don't know about the details, but it is used for security, yes. Unfortunately, it is also invasion of privacy at times. And where, where those face masks would actually help Damn it, it's all gone. <laughs> now people can recognize you with But isn't the face mask recognition a change in a higher technology that without, you know, obviously the face recognition technology is, is and everybody knows about it, with the mask on the face, if you are still able to recognize the same person and you can not recognize a doppelganger or whatever you yep. call it, then I think the technology has done its work. Well, here's an interesting question and uh, maybe we could actually put this to test. So I have a twin brother, an identical twin brother. I wonder if we both wear face masks. Is our uh, retinal scan <laughs> going to be recognized by the phone? Will, he, my, will my twin brother be able to unlock my phone? It remains to be seen and potentially it, they might be able to fix it. But I think there is a flaw somewhere. I think the technologies are currently being featured or downplayed just for creating better marketing strategies. There are two sides of it. One are the genuine players who are really investing in the technology to ensure that the twin brother of yours is differentiated. And there is marketing that is being involved, which is the point which we talked about earlier, that AIML is being, you know, being used to brand yourself. How much of AIML right. really you are doing is only at the execution level. Once you get into the execution level, you see that people are doing AIML in the name of analytics, in the name of uh, you know data warehouses or simple reporting. But if it is used with the depth 
of being able to recognize the two twin brothers of yourself, then it is making impact in terms of the right depth of application. So, there are companies which are deep into the technologies, they do not talk much, their work talks, but there are companies which are talking more and their work does not talk. Unfortunately, those are the companies we hear often. <laughs> Here is a funny story. My co-founder, whereas he has got this new ultra-human patch and he puts it on his arm and every 5 minutes he is checking it for his blood sugar levels. And uh, after some time he sees his blood sugar level going down, so he posts it on social media and then starts monitoring whether who has liked and disliked it and then an algorithm will secretly tell him that your best friend has not liked it. So, it will automatically send an email to that friend asking him why he hasn't liked my post and realize that that person is probably not in town and you get stressed out that somebody went on a vacation without me. That is the social side of it, if you take it the health side of it and you are able to use wearables to actually get to the depth of data which a GP cannot or general physician cannot get to you without talking to you and the alerts are getting into the medical facility in a manner that you are proactively taken care of and your medication is prescribed based on the secure channels. Good question, good point. There are two things here. One, when you genuinely need medical device data help, yes. So, I know cases where people have a mini defibrillator embedded within their heart which is sending signals to the hospital directly about monitoring for arrhythmia cases. And then you have somebody who is wearing a Fitbit and posting on social media that I have walked the length of the Serengeti. These two angles are wrong when it comes to technology. Technology is being marketed in the wrong way when you are trying to generate a buzz. You mentioned earlier that there are companies who talk more, work less. Unfortunately, the companies who work more and talk less are far and few. Correct, but if you look at the way the medical uh, facility or the healthcare facilities are getting enhanced based on data and similarly the insurance guys are getting facilitated through data. You talked about autonomous cars. Yeah and the data that you pick up in the traffics. Now, if your driving habit is picked up through your wearables and the sensors that are there in the car, then your insurance levels can be either lowered or taken up. That's a good point. Similarly, healthcare. By the way, there is a company which is actually getting you what I call, call a driver profile score. And uh, this is how fast you are driving, if you are driving. How rough. And you have to switch it off if you are in a cab. <laughs> so, there are, there are pros and cons to this, but it works. In fact, pushing this to the next level of, uh, of tech, the right use case, we mentioned AI and ML, pushing the tempo here, the next buzzword that people always want for startup funding is blockchain, <laughs> right? And here is a good use case for, for, for the insurance sector, where we know of cases where your insurance driving data is kept securely on a blockchain. Now, once it is on the chain, it is transactional data which will never be mutated. Using the hyperledger from IBM blockchain, the, the hyperledger can actually give proper authorized access to insurance companies for their underwriters to not only check your past insurance, your premiums, your uh, uh, renewals are calculated based on your drive score and all this is calculated to give a publicly available immutable transaction free case of your insurance. So, you are proving the point technology can help. Technology can help. However, 
it's not in place. And now, why is it not in place? Funding. <laughs> the funding. I'm sure. I'm sure there are companies which are actually trying to fund. In fact, some the of the blockchain guys are funded maximum today. In yes. And there are insurance companies and there are insurance-based startups which are working towards this direction. But this particular thing is also blacked, backed and blocked by the same insurance companies who support it because of data. But isn't that the uh, transition that is happening or the transformation happening from Web 2.0 to Web 3? Because all right. the insurance or fintech or even the manufacturing sectors are getting into Web 3. But that's a different topic in itself, which is ensuring that the data that is being shared is authentic and real and is not a social data which can be interpreted to cause. So it's great you mentioned Web3 because uh, Web3 is coming up with the right standards but it's going to be difficult to adopt. It's going to, it, it has to get adopted but it's going to take some time. Now along with Web3 comes in the biggest, biggest problem of technology today, identity. Today, everyone logs in with maybe your Facebook account, your Google account, maybe your Microsoft account, or some such common, common privately held service accounts. What happens if tomorrow these companies decide that, you know what, we are free to use this data how we want, one, or we are shutting down. What happens to all the identity connects that are already there floating around? And Web3 addresses exactly this problem, where you own your own identity and you decide who will get access to it, who will get authorized to use it. And because it's a completely decentralized uh, identity management in Web3, your identity is always yours, protected and not owned by anyone. But adoption is definitely going to be a pain. My, my personal view on that uh, is the data that is already there in the market from the Web2 or whatever earlier versions has to go through a regulation cut and the regulations have to come into play. The governments will have a big role and you can already see that there is the, the data laws being, being put into play and the audits of the data audits that are very, very paramount of importance. We have not talked about it, but that is something which has to come into play from the government perspective, just like any other audits that were there, which was accounting or health or otherwise. Web3, my view, is too early today. Uh, it is all in concept and, and, and the fundings are tremendous. So obviously it will grow at a very fast pace. It will solve the challenges that you are talking, but it will solve the challenges for the future. It will still not solve the facial recognition problem. It will still not solve the intelligence problems. It will not solve the impersonators uh, problem. It will not solve the marketing problems. So even today, Web3 is being talked by companies who actually have very little knowledge of Web3. And there are guys who are actually implementing Web3 in, in various ways. In fact, all the fintech companies that I have talked to in the last few you know, months are moving to, from the mainframes to the Web3, at least from a customer experience point of view. Right. And all their uh, you know, logins or wallets will all be based on these kind on of the technologies. Di yeah. di distributed identifier. Correct. Yeah. So therefore, the ownership will change and obviously, you know, there are various uh, companies who are coming in with their own domains and things like that. So people have started booking. In fact, all the banks in India and elsewhere have started booking their domains through the Web3 channels already. While adoption towards new technology is happening, the algorithm generation space 
has just gone off the charts. Recently, you have the DAL-E algorithm, which is able to not, I mean, we've spoken of image recognition, face recognition, but image creation, that's a next level step. Now, if you have an algorithm, like for example, if I ask DALI to create an image of uh, a nurse riding a horse, it'll create an image, not art, not caricature, an image of a nurse riding a horse on the moon with the beach in the background. And this is an image which is generated. So the possibilities are endless. And why is that a problem? Now here is the problem. Recently, there was an art competition in which an AI generated, DALI generated image was sent as one of the entries and that turned out to be the prize winner. What is the value of an artist if an AI generated image is actually winning a prize? That means the standards are changing. More complexity can be added. So the creativity actually has taken a backstage. The guys have to get more creative. So it is a challenging environment to be in. The human brain has to reinvent itself to go against and be ahead of what is being produced by... How is the, how is the image being created or how is the it's art being created? Because based on history, right? AI doesn't do anything based on, you know, future. It does based on history. So till it was learning, till it was recognition, it was at, at one particular level. But once you're able to generate stuff, where does it stop? It could generate code, it's already there, but it is still backed by a lot of machine learning algorithms. But building new algorithms could be a thing of the future. Uh, <laughs> Skynet could actually become a reality, which will be pretty cool if it does happen, or uh, we'll uh, never know because it'll probably be the end of the world anyway. Do you, can you, and should you trust technology? Not unless it is regulated. Right, so come along with regulation, comes the government, the strategy, committee, comes back to people who decide how we should behave, act in society. Responsibly. Right? So they, we are still being driven by somebody else. Now, I leave it to the listeners to take this with a pinch of salt. And I bring back the word, is technology a pain in the butt? Should you believe in it? How can you believe in it? And why should you believe in it? There are definitely good cases around why technology can definitely make our lives better. Correct. But this is a podcast where we keep it real, where we need our listeners to understand, know both sides of the story. Know different perspectives from different people. And if you all like this podcast, listen to a lot more of these things. Abhijit, it's been a pleasure having you on this podcast. I had a lot of fun with a lot of intense discussions. I hope you had as much fun and hope to see you in the metaverse. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.